Hello, everybody, and welcome into Off the Boards. This is episode, I think this is five. I honestly can't remember. I know that we're done with the predictions, and we actually get to have open discussions about hockey now. Hockey is so yeah. close to being back. I'm so excited. But as Ooh. always, this is our ho- the host of the show, me, Josh, Ethan down there in the middle, and Ryan up there in the corner. And uh, how, so how, how are your guys' weeks going so far? Oh, it's just not too bad. Fair enough. I, you know. Jack, complain. Fair enough. I'm glad hockey is hockey is back and better than ever. Better than ever. So, I mean, do you want to start off with the uh, Vancouver signings there, Ethan? Mr. Excitement down there? What a great week it is for us Vancouver fans as we were able to sign Petey and Hughes. Uh, great additions to the squad, and I really think they're... They're gonna obviously they're gonna have a huge impact on the roster, but I think this year this is our best roster that we've had since getting uh, PD and Hughes. Yeah, I'm um, really looking forward to the season. I'm extremely excited to watch. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm lost for words. Uh, I don't know how how Jim Bang managed to pull that off, but it's, it's called... just great. They're great contracts. Uh, it's called Jim Jim Bang. Jim Benning walked into the room and said, look, I don't have any money. You take it or leave it, I suppose. <laughs> Except yeah. he he couldn't do – Kyle Dubas can't do that because the Leafs make too much money. So he had to go, well, well, you know. Like, I know how you feel because all my players just decided to just flip the bird to the Leafs and just go, fuck you guys, pay us. So, yeah, yeah um, I don't know. Extremely happy with, with the contracts. Quinn Hughes' contract, especially uh, mm-hmm. being long-term – uh, even Petey, you know, uh, when his contract ends, he'll still be an RFA. So hopefully within a three-year span, we can find, you know, find $10 to $11 million for him. So well, I, in three years' time, that's probably what you know, I don't, I don't mean to, will be. I don't mean to toot my own horn or anything, but in the Vancouver prediction video that we did, I actually was really close to what their contract values were, and I was, I was pretty surprised. I was like, damn. I was lowballing those contracts, and Jim Benning actually got it done. Yep, man's crazy. Very, very impressive work from Jim Benning. Uh, yeah. Did we have any other like big signings last week, or? Uh, we did. Uh, Jake Evans signed. Oh uh, yes. Before so. I mention that, we I should we should mention uh what the Hughes and Patterson contracts actually were. Uh, Patterson three years, seven point eight, seven point three five. Uh, we Six years, seven point six years. Yeah. Okay. So both very, very good contracts for them. Uh, Jake Evans signed an extension in Montreal. Uh, three years, one point seven million dollars, which is great value for uh, a player like him. So very excited for that. Yeah, that's a great contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great, great work in the playoffs. Great work last year. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do, especially seeing he'll probably be playing with. Uh, uh, Gallagher and Hollick this year, so you know, good line mates there. We mm-hmm. along. Uh, other than that, yeah, not much. But yeah. there was uh, a signing, perhaps a signing out of uh, training camp. Arbor Jackeye. The only reason I bring him up, uh, name Jackeye, spelled X H E K A J. That is that is interesting. I also heard that Jack Johnson, uh, big big Jack, yes. is super close to signing with the Abs. Yep, they're looking at a one-year deal. Yeah. I mean, it 
he, he's able to get in there. Devin Taves isn't going to start the year, from what I've heard. So, um, yeah. we uh, haven't was. I don't think there's anything else really to talk about. So we can. You want me to? Which we just move forward here to the Leafs uh, documentary from last year got released on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and yeah. I watched yeah. the whole thing. And so, uh, um, same, same here. Do you want the Leafs fan? To, do you want the Leafs fan to go off for a minute, or? Yeah, go ahead. Where do it's I your start? Time to shine. It's your time to cry. It was definitely an interesting look, like just from a hockey standpoint, being able to look at what the teams go through, especially last year with all with COVID and everything. At the same time, I will say that I've never felt that amount. Like sports are weird. Sports are the only thing that can make you feel really happy and almost like just pure disappointment at the same time and watching that la- watching that documentary i watched all of it in one day and like i spent like six hours i had nothing better to do but i was like i'm like man like there's clips where i'm like smiling i'm watching it and then at the same time like i'm like almost crying because i'm like i know how this story ends and i'm like it like it just it, it's tough man but it's nice to see that the players actually did want to play there like i have a clip here of uh felino and um Wayne Simmons talk, talking about how they wanted to be on the Leafs here. I'll play the clip. I'm sorry if it's really loud. I actually have no idea how loud this clip's going to be, but I'll, I'll play it for everyone else. These points as a kid, this is when my game comes to life. Playing for the Leafs, it's like I'm playing for my community. Yeah, so it's like, it's nice to see that guys actually do want to play for the Leafs. And it was definitely an interesting look to get, like, a look inside of what Dubas was doing. Like, when he waved Jimmy BC, like, how that looked and how, like, you know, you bring in guys and you, you make things work and what players even did in their off seasons last year and what they thought after the regular season. And that group, coming out of the regular season, they... I don't, I don't know what happened. They had all the confidence in the world. And, like, you know, it's just... We had the, the Rocket winner. The team was playing great. We were on top of the world. Our coach seemed like everything was going great. I mean, the power play was a little spotty, but, you know, I, I was like, I, I remember going into that series going, there is no fucking way. There's no way. There's no way we lose. And then game one, Tavares gets knocked out. And what I didn't know until I watched this, spoiler alert for everyone, it's, well, the season's already over, but anyone who hasn't watched it, you obviously know the end story. But they actually had talked about conceding that game. Because Keith was like, how the fuck am I supposed to get a group of this many guys back on the same page after they're watching their captain dead on the ice? Like, couldn't even fucking move, essentially. And it's I, I didn't even think about that. I, I The only thing I remember thinking in that moment when that hit was happening and Ryan was there when it happened was I was just, I was steaming mad. I'm like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is bullshit. That was a dirty hit. All this other shit. And everyone's like, no, it's not a dirty hit. I've gone back and looked at it a lot of the time. There was knee on knee there. That's the only part. Yeah. Perry hitting him in the head. Was that dirty? No. Perry, Perry, could Perry have tried more to get out of the way? I don't know. I don't fucking... I've never been in that situation. It's a split-second decision. So, it's... it's Shit happens is what I boil that down to. But, it just... You know, and then... What what's what I found a lot... The, like, the part that made me, you know, not pissed off, but frustrated... Is I watched my team... Go from one down to three one, and I'm like, okay, this is this is it. This has got to be it. And then we have a shitty performance in game five. No game, yeah, no game, yeah, game, game five. five, game five, yeah, where we have to come back. We come back. Gallagher, not Gallagher, Golchenyuk gives it away. 
And you guys go down and all man rush and score, and that ends the game. The Leafs were playing from behind that yep. entire game. But they did, yep. at the end of the day, I was like, they're kind of outplaying the Habs at the end. Next game, same thing happens. Playing from behind. The Leafs tie the game, take it to overtime. This overtime looked a lot more competitive. I was like, okay, cool. Same story. The Leafs were dominant in that, in that overtime, I have to say. I have to give and, it up for them. And it's just, it's, it's really frustrating to watch how excited those guys were in games 2, 3, and 4. And then how the mood just all of a sudden changed. And I'm not saying that Sheldon Keefe didn't have like a good like grip on what was going on, but it almost felt like he lost the locker room after game six. Like after they lost in overtime and we went into game seven, we saw what Keefe said before that game. And I don't I don't have the clip in front of me because I didn't get that clip, but it just it you you felt something was different, you know, like they were talking about Matthews and Marner not being able to produce and stuff like that. And we also saw Dubas pulled Marner and Matthews into his office in between, I think it was games five and six, and basically sat them down and said, what's going on? Like, you know, like what, why are we, why are you guys not being able to produce for us? And it's, it's, it's frustrating and it's really disappointing or disappointing to watch. And it just, you know, I was really happy watching games uh, two, three, and four in the in the clip because it, you know, uh, I didn't like Felino was coming back stuff like that. I also didn't know how bad Felino's injury was, where he basically couldn't fucking stand. Like that's kind of nuts. Yeah. And just like all the adversity the Leafs had to go through last year, all the injuries, everything else, COVID, yada yada yada, and they just it everything was going leaps. And for some reason, this team manages to fuck it up every year. Yeah. But, as a Leafs fan... They went all Leafs. I'm not going to say I'm optimistic, but it does feel like every single time the next regular season comes around, I'm like, oh, this is this is their year. This is... There's no way they could fuck it up this time, man. Like, look at this roster. I love the Leafs roster this year. And I said that last year. And how did that turn out? Getting fucking booted in Game 7 for the same fucking Cinderella story every year. Every year. It's so hurtful, man. Like, it can't keep happening. But taking it back it, to the... Go ahead. It, it, I know it feels like I can't, just, but uh, you guys don't know this. My dad's a house. I guess Josh is a house. My, yep. my dad's a Leafs fan. My dad's a Leafs fan. I've been hearing, well, there's always next year since that Sunday. So yeah, maybe yeah. it can't always happen, but it sure seems like it does. Buddy, I, I'm well aware. Also, my fucking mm. beverage just fucking hinged up real quick, so uh, I don't I don't need it. God damn it. I don't need a timeout, but uh, just vamp for a few minutes. So I'll be back in a second. Right. God damn it! All right, wait. What do you think about the documentary? I thought it was really good. Like, like Josh mentioned, uh, from a hockey standpoint, it was really descriptive on on how players and like what excuse me, like what players were going through through the the COVID season. You know, it it brought a lot of emotion. To a lot of the players and it was a great personally i thought it was a really good documentary i'm obviously not a loose fan but it was really cool to watch as a hockey fan you know and to, to watch sheldon keith you know give those pre-game uh speeches and mid-game speeches it was really cool to watch and you can you can see how much it affected the guys when they lost a game or when they won game or when somebody got injured you know there's so much more to hockey than the scores of a game and that's one of the biggest things 
that a lot of hockey fans don't realize. You know, it took me a really long time to realize that, oh, you know, they don't just go play and then, you know, they either win or they lose. It There's so much after stuff, you know? Like, how are these dads dealing with not being able to see their families during the COVID time? Like, uh, Zach Bogosian, you know? Uh, that was a great clip to see of, of Zach Bogosian. And, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't say it was like a, a tearjerker, but it was, it was really emotional seeing, uh, seeing like a lot of those off ice stuff. Yeah. It, it made you realize, you know, like these hockey players are just, just, just like people like us, you know, they, they do this sport for, for entertainment and the sole purpose that they, they just love hockey. I know what clip you're talking about. I'm assuming it's the Bogosian one where his kid's there. Like, are you coming to my birthday? That, yeah. that uh, fucking, that, that, was, that, was that, that did make me cry. I was like, bro, like that, that's like, I'm like, oh my God. Like, you don't, like, I didn't, again, I, you don't think about that kind of thing. Like last year, like I wasn't thinking about the, the families not being able to see, like, you know, they live in America. Like they can't fucking go home. And it's just like, like, you know, like, Thinking back to what just happened to me as a Leafs fan, of course things can always get worse. Um, just you know, every year they seem to fuck it up, and like Ryan just said, yeah, Ryan, your dad's been saying that his entire life. My dad's been saying that his entire life. I've been saying that my entire life every yep. goddamn year. When I was growing up, it was oh fuck, we can't make the playoffs. Oh fuck, we can't make the playoffs. Oh shit, we made the playoffs. Oh, we're we're out. Okay, cool, we're back in. Oh, okay, cool, we're out again. Fuck, and that's like. Four years in a row. Seven. They're game seven. Game seven. Game seven. Game seven. I'm like, what's game five in there? That's like it, it's the same same shit. They still lost the fucking game. But last so, game of the season. Going game seven of that series. Jack Campbell was on fire. Like he was mm-hmm. he was crazy good. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, cause Jack Campbell, I'm not gonna say he's the, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say he's the reason that the Leafs lost that game, but Jack needed to save that goal that he let in, and he said it himself, like, he, he admitted it, he's like, I needed to have that one, and it, you know, it it was nice to hear, I'm gonna, oh, that's the wrong button, I'm gonna share this with you guys real quick, I'm gonna play the clip for them, and I'm gonna play it for us, we can actually hear it, um, but it's just, you know, it, it, Tug at my heart, tug tug at my heartstrings a little bit. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna mute you guys real quick. I mute you guys. Start playing this clip. I just think of how hard our team battled and for it to end. You know, worst goal of my career and happened in Game Seven. You know, it's just not acceptable. And um, I think the team counts on me to be better, and I know I can be a lot better than that. So I'm gonna get back to work and be better. Uh, yeah. So oh, you just disappeared. Hold on, I gotta bring you back. That. Ryan, every fucking time, man. Every time. Why does it always... Why do you always disappear off the screen? <sighs> Where is it? Okay. So, yeah. So, so, everyone just heard heard that, right? Jack Campbell, he was distraught. Like, he was fighting the tears. When they showed the clip of him in the locker room after the game, he was actually crying. Like, I could see it. And yeah. you can tell... This, like, last year when the Leafs lost in Game 7 or Game 5 or whatever game that was, I didn't feel like... You know, like, that was... It meant something. Watching the locker room and being able to see it after this game, I feel like it actually meant something to these guys. To not only... Yeah. If, if they were going to go far, it would have meant something, but to get knocked out, I feel like it meant something. 
that that picture of Matthews and Marner where they were sitting there just abysmal. Yeah. That sticks with me. And as a Leafs fan, it kind of, I'm not going to say it fills me with joy to watch my players suffer like that because I, trust me, I'm suffering with them. But it just, it, it made it a little bit easier to swallow watching them actually be upset about this. And, you know, like the, the old mantra or motto of it, there's always next year, I'm getting pretty tired of hearing it. Eventually, it's got to stop being, okay, there's always next year. It's got to be, this is the year, you know? And it just, yeah. it, it does, it gets it gets a little annoying sometimes trying to hear, you know, it's just, oh, last year I kept hearing, oh, the Leafs are so good. Oh, they're so this, they're so that. And then they can't get out of the fucking first round again. And I'm like, what is the, what is the factor holding this team back? I Is what I, I don't understand. I don't know what's holding this team back. The funny thing is, in NHL history, every time the Leafs and Habs have played each other in the first round, we've gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. E- either the winning team has advanced. And so, I'm not going to say that history played a factor in Montreal made it to the Finals last year, because I do think they went on a, a Cinderella run, and I think even Ryan would admit that. You know, you write... You write... Uh, I think it was Cinderella run, but I wouldn't be surprised that they could potentially repeat it. Well, no, what I'm, what I'm saying is they were feeling really high and mighty after they beat the Leafs. Yeah, so you get mo- you get a lot of momentum out of that. Carey Price gets definitely his, a lot of momentum. Carey Price gets his head filled that he is the best goaltender of all time, which he did have an amazing series. But I I give Jack Campbell credit. Jack Campbell not mess maybe not necessarily played better than Carey Price, but he was right there with him until that last yeah. game where he let in that soft high love goal yeah. that Gallagher shot. Jack Campbell was a and Jack Campbell was great, and uh, I think the Leafs are ha- are lucky to have a guy like that. And I, 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 that much heart, so. I love Jack Campbell. I love the heart. I love his game. I love everything he puts into this team. He is a fuel mm-hmm. for this team. And it it fills me, like, again, it doesn't fill me with joy, but it's it's nice to see these guys going through the same amount of pain as a fan that I do. Because I would have been so fucking mad if the Leafs lost that game and they're all sitting in the locker room like nothing happened. Like, ah, whatever. They knew, they knew that they that this was the fucking year. They knew it. You could see it that they blew it, like yeah. it's 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 All tough right. to watch. It really is. It is, is. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, I want a great documentary. Uh, no, Amazon really did a fantastic late. job. Yeah, absolutely a... fantastic job. But uh, we should probably move on here for our next thing, Josh. Which is the preseason. So yeah. I want to ask you guys this question, and I want both of you to answer it. Does the preseason matter? Yeah. Yes? Why? I agree. I think it's a great showing of what could be lines for the upcoming season. Uh, to see how strong a young prospect is growing. Mm-hmm. And it also shows... I mean, yeah, back to that, I, I think it shows the, the strong development of, of a young prospect. And you know, goaltenders and see who fits where. So I think preseason is very important for uh, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of teams. You know, there are some teams where it feels like, I will we already know what's gonna be what's gonna be what, and you know, like like the the Capitals for example. I feel like they always know who's gonna be where, uh, who's gonna be what. You know. Yeah. Um, but like, as a Canucks fan. 
this year. Sorry. No, uh, it's all it's all good. Get what get finished. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, as a Canucks fan this year, like watching preseason, it was it's pretty good because you got to see uh, some young players uh, play it and see how well and how hard they've been working to to get to where they want to be. I personally believe that preseason is very uh, important for for a lot of teams. Ryan, I'll, I'll ask you this question after. I just want I want to get Ethan's opinion on this part of it too. Does player performance in the preseason matter? Like single player performance, individual individual statistics in the preseason? Do those matter? I think yes and no. Um, at the same time, you got to remind yourself that it is preseason and you're not playing mm-hmm. everybody's top lineups, you know. Yep. But if a player is performing well with so-and-so, you know, you could potentially see that player playing with those players in the upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of uh, dependent, I guess. So, Ryan, I'll ask, I'll ask you the same two questions. Does the preseason matter first? I uh, like it matters in the sense of it gives players an opportunity to uh, like get back into the rhythm of things. It gives young players an opportunity to show what they're capable of. Uh, but in terms of team performance and player statistics, it doesn't. Uh, it, doesn't you know, it doesn't matter. It, it it's too hard to say that they matter when you can have an NHL roster playing. NHL roster. So here's like, the here's the, here's the reason I ask this question. Uh, yeah. Michael Bunting on the Leafs <laughs> against Ottawa the other night scored a yeah. hat trick, yep. and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the the clips of the goals here. I can just show them on the screen because there's no sound. But um, you know, here's 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 goal number one. Just kind of a he's in the right he's in the right spot there kind of a goal. Uh, yeah. Like there was not really any like individual like you know he didn't go down there rip a fucking like ripper of a shot. It was just a nice shot. Here's goal number two. It's just a tip coming off the point there from Sandine. So that was a, you know, stick in the right place kind of, you know, it was, it was pretty nice. And then goal number three here is just, again, he's in the right position to score. But that number 22 there, I don't know if you guys saw that in the clip there, the defenseman there. That guy, one of them is in the wrong, oh, no, they're on the penalty kill. But, yeah, he backed up way too much. So yeah. I, like, the thing is, right, like, I don't know what to take away from the preseason because the Leafs have been performing like well. I expect them to perform well in the regular season. Do I think that Michael Bunting is going to be a giant part of the Leafs? No. But what I will say is that Bunting, Hosang, and Kase have had amazing preseasons, and yeah. it bodes really well for the Leafs to get them under contract at least. Or to yeah, well, they're to one of the PTO. Hosang is probably going to get a contract and save the Leafs this year. Bunting is definitely, I believe, has made enough impact where he should stay with the team. And same with Kase. I think they'll all make the Leafs opening night roster at this point. It'll just okay. be where they slot in, which I, I'm excited about. I am. I'm really excited about. I'm excited to see Sandine play because I'll play I'll play the sixth clip I have here is the Leafs did a, a blue versus white. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the team play each other. And so here's yeah, the clip. This is San, Sandine on a, on a, on the, in the shootout. Like, just fucking out, waited, yeah. like, waited for him. Like, that's a defenseman. That's not a forward. And he's doing yeah. shit like that. Oh, my God. Like, I, I'm and like... a great performance from Sandine, but uh, can I ask, what goal is he up against? Uh, I think that was uh, Mirazik. That was Mirazik? Okay. I think so. But the thing is, um, like, 
I'm saying this right now. The Leafs are going to lose Morgan Riley at the end of this year. Sandin can fill that role. I'm not worried. I'm real. I'm really not. I'm I'm high. I'm really high on Sandin right now, and I think that Sandin's even his defensive game might be better than Morgan Riley's because Morgan Riley's not really good in his own zone. He's a really good offensive guy. But you know, now, that's an interesting take from the Leafs fan. Yeah, that's a hot hot take, Josh. He's not going to be there. It's not the that's not the hot take part. The hot take part, I assume, is what I said about Sandin. But it's kind of been knowledge, like a lot of people are saying at this point that Sandin or not Sandin, Morgan Riley is not going to play with the Leafs beyond this year. Just money, money factor, who we have to sign coming up, and everything else that's going on. Especially if, by God, if we don't well, make it out of the first I round under- this year. I understand that point, but I think I. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think Morgan Riley has been one of your guys' best defenseman for for so long that it's. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and tell I, you that I'd be happy if he walked out the door. But at the same time, if the guy because the guy is gonna I'm come in, sure. he's gonna come into negotiations and be like, "Look, I want eight, let's say, or I want eight or nine or however yeah. much he's gonna ask for." Dumas eight. is gonna be like, "No, like I I I'm not paying you that. Like it's." I, I just, it, it's tough. It's going to be tough. But I honestly believe that from what I've seen from Sandin in the preseason and his conditioning and everything that I've been reading and seeing about him, I do believe that he could step into that role and be solid. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. I thought the least defensive core last year was the best I had ever seen, and I was. This year it's going to be better, which is nuts. Nuts, man. I, I love what the Leafs are doing on the power play, too, in preseason. Like, I, 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 I could go on and on about the Leafs all day in the preseason. I don't know if you guys have watched any of your own team's preseason games, but... Josh, can I ask, why do you think Rasmus Sandy, a guy with 37 games of NHL experience and 12 points in those 37 games, could replace Morgan Riley, a former 20-goal scorer, 72-point career high? And, and that was in uh, the last 82-game season. So, um, here's my response to that. The reason Sandin didn't make the team last year is because he came in out of shape. They didn't call him fat like they called Kadri, but he yeah. came in out of shape. This year, he's uh-huh. leading He's leading the groups of the suicide skates or whatever, like the Lions. Yeah. So, And he's not even fucking winded. So he's got the endurance to do it. I've seen his skill in the AHL and in every other like level he's played at. So I know he can produce. And plus what I've seen in the preseason, I know he can produce. And he can quarterback a fucking power play unit like no one else, man. Nuts. Um... He's still on his ELC, so he fits in. He's able to replace him on the money factor standpoint. The leadership role is not going to be filled. He's not going to be able to fill the leadership role of Morgan Riley. But I do think that... Because here's the thing, right? I don't need him to match the point production of Morgan Riley. I don't. If he gets 10 less points, 15 less points, it's not going to hurt the Leafs very much. The Leafs are a really good offensive team anyway. You know? And plus, he's still... What what happens if Rasmus Sandin scores, say... 30 points. I just I don't see it happening in the role that they're going to put him in. If if it ha- okay. like if it happens it happens but at the same time, you know, you have the backup plan in Lilligren. You know, one of these guys is going to pan out, one of them's probably going to bust and at this point I think Lilligren's more of a bust potential than Sandine. But I would agree. And the thing is like if we lose if we lose uh Morgan Riley and like even this year on the defensive core, I believe it's gonna be Morgan Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hall, Link Lilligren, and uh Sandine. I think that's gonna be the defense they run with and Dermot's gonna fucking just be there because they have to carry his contract because 
do this. But yeah, yeah, it's you know, I was, there's one other rumor I guess I could talk about the Leafs. I just want I just want to mention this. Envol apparently they're shopping him for nothing because they just want to get rid of his contract. So it's gonna be like when Flurry got traded for nothing. They're gonna trade Envol for nothing. Why are we letting people yeah. trade for nothing? I just the, that just that that annoys me. But I did back to what you said, Ryan. What happens if he scores less than thirty points? I don't see it happening, especially if he's playing with Brody. If it happens, then the Leafs are probably SOL, and someone's gonna have to step up and fill that role, or the Leafs are just gonna be an offensive juggernaut like they were in twenty. 17? Was that the year they took, they went to the playoffs against the Capitals? I think it was. Whatever year that was, they were an offensive juggernaut were terrible in their own zone. And we still made the playoffs yeah. just because Anderson was playing out of his fucking mind. And so... Yeah. It's just, you know... If it happens, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see, but I I would put my money on Morgan Riley not being a part of the Leafs pass this year. And, I buy that. I believe that Morgan Riley probably won't. I think and I think we're going to lose him for nothing! Nothing. I think I think you will, but in terms for Morgan Riley specifically, I think this will be more of a, rather than trading him at the deadline as a rental. I think this will be more of a I keep him as my own rental kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. But the frustrating thing, we lost Zach Hyman for nothing, yeah. nothing, and yeah. we're gonna lose Morgan Riley for yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Thing is though, Josh, it's only nothing if you don't win the playoffs. So you lose them for nothing. But if you can get a playoff run out of it, it's worth it. Be honest with me right now. What do the Leafs have to? What do the Leafs have to do in the playoffs for people to respect them? Win a round at least. So if they win one round, it fixes everything. No. I can tell you as a Leafs fan, it doesn't fix everything if we win one round and then get fucking. No. If we got swept, no. okay. Here's the thing. I say that, but as a Leafs fan, my, what is it, uh, not confidence, but my fucking, ah, whatever, no, my belief, whatever, whatever, my belief for this team, or my, I, I can't remember the word, it's starting to piss me off, whatever, goal, sure, my goal for this team isn't to win the Stanley Cup, my confidence and everything is so low with this fucking team, if they won a playoff round and got swept in the second round, I would be like, there's at least improvement, but for the past yeah. four years, I've watched them fucking lose in Game 7. And I'm like, yeah. well, there's no improvement here. Like, there's individual improvement in the fucking regular season, but who cares? Like, I said I said this when the Leafs, got, when the Leafs lost Game 7 last year. I'm like, they could go 82-0 and 0 next year, and I still wouldn't have any confidence in them. I'd be like, well, we're fucked. We're boned. That's it. We're done. Pack it up. Seven games. That's all we're good for. Like, what do the Leafs have to do to win to win the first round to get out of the first round? Because personnel I'm, change is it per, it's personnel. Either you need to change uh, your entire front office, or you need to make a change in your in leadership. Oh, Dubas is fired after this year. If if we lose yeah. in round one again, they're firing Dubas. If they That's... lose in round one again, Dubas, Shanahan, Keith. I don't. I don't know if they fire Shanahan. I agree. Shanahan, maybe not. But the thing but is, like, like, you you get a chance in in being a GM and on teams, you get a chance to rebuild once. You don't normally get a chance to rebuild twice. Yeah. And I can yeah. tell you, as a Leafs fan growing up, this is the best Leafs squad I've seen, 
and it is going to be an absolute fucking dagger to my heart if we can't win a fucking round. You don't need to win the Stanley Cup. My my goal isn't to win the Stanley Cup. It's to win a Jesus playoff round, please. For all that is holy in the planet, someone help me because I don't know what I'm going to do. This team loses in <laughs> Game 7 again. I'm going to just, like... I said I I remember when they lost Game Seven last year. I was wearing this hat and I threw it across the room and I jumped on it. And I said I'm never gonna fucking be a Leafs fan again. I'm never gonna fucking watch another game. And look at me. I'm sitting in a fucking room full of Leafs shit, wearing a Leafs hat, back wearing the same fucking thing. Someone just buy me a clown hat and put on like let me just paint my face in clown makeup next year if they fucking lose another first round. I'm gonna be like, look at me, Josh the big old clown, the Leafs fan, the guy in the blue, wearing this fucking Leafs hat with clown makeup on. Cause he's an idiot. Cause he still likes the same. Gosh, don't worry. You don't need clown makeup. We are another clown. Uh, <laughs> we should probably move on, or at least get back to what we were talking about preseason. That's where this started, by the way. Well, yeah, I said I said I was gonna go off on a Leafs rant this entire time. If you guys want to talk about your teams, I haven't watched any of your guys' games. I just been watching right. Leaf games. Uh, the Habs playoff or Habs preseason is pretty good. Um, you know, we've definitely solidified our second line. I think. And, uh, Dvorak, Anderson, uh, the dad line, if you will. Um, and none of them have dad energy is the problem. But see, there's a there's a dad void in the halves because Trey Weber's gone, so you know, maybe somebody. Oh, I thought Petrie was gonna fill that role, Ryan. He's gonna fill his spot in the lineup. There, there's no level of uh, Petrie that can fill in the Shea Weber dad. Carry Price, was, like, step up, team be a man. Carey Price, be the team dad. Don't get hurt. <laughs> Here's the thing. I love, I love Carey Price. He yep. very much has the same energy as uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I'm also passionate. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm here for you. I'll win you a championship. I'm not fucking teaching the next guy. Fuck him. <laughs> I fucking love Aaron Rodgers. He, he straight up has said, Carey Price has said he does not want to train Keaton for though. And we're really? like, Really? <laughs> Fine, then. Fuck off. <laughs> you guys, Fuck. you you pay the guy $10 million and he's like, no. No. Yeah. No. Fuck. Fuck him. Yeah, Fuck him. He, he, Primo's in the HL. He'll be, he'll be, uh, Price's backup when that's, once Allen's gone, so. Isn't that three it years? It will work out. Don't you think that, uh, Primo, two years, I think. Two years, I think. Don't you think that Primo is not, is gonna want to play, like, if not this year, the next year? Like, he, you got to give him a chance at one point, right? He's not going to want to play he's, in the AHL forever because his ELC is probably done after this year. It is. But, I mean, he's still a goaltender that's 22 years old. So, Most goaltenders aren't Carey Price to start at, you know, a very young age. They usually I, start at, like, I agree, but the question then is, do you think that if, like, let's say Primo this year, I don't know, AHL stats are always fucking shit. But let's say yeah. he wins 30, like, let's say he goes, like, 30, 12, and two i don't know i can't remember how many games they even played he posts like a a 235 and like a, a 918 or something like that what do you guys have to pay him and beyond that if you guys are paying him more than one and a half million dollars do you then trade allen if he proves that he is capable of taking a backup role we could pay him 1.5 until then i still think he takes below a million stays in the ahl and then comes up the year after and fills in Jake Allen's spot. How good is your guys' AHL think, team? Um, um like pretty Paul good. Mitch. I believe we we uh, the already were. I think we were the first. Year. 
And you didn't win the Calder? No. Man, at least the... At least the Marlies have my back. The Leafs might not, but at least the fucking Marlies won something. <laughs> there was no Calder Cup last year. Really? Uh, I don't think there was. Where? No, there was. Whack. Yeah. Well, um, Ryan... looking at the regular season in the league, uh, Laval uh, came second. Actually, they tied for first. With Ryan, the Bears. Ryan is very excited about about the Habs' future here, and I I agree with him. I think that the offensively this team is going to be a lot better this year. I think defensively they're going to take a step back, and then it's going to be can Price and Allen do their shit and drag this team into the playoffs, yeah. kicking and screaming. I here's the thing. I don't know if this team's defense is going to take as much of a step. Jeff Petrie has been the better of the two defensemen in the last couple of years. He has been. Even in his own zone? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Shea Weber was... The thing that Jeff Petrie can't do is fill in like the physicality that Weber always had. But I think between Petrie, Sherrod, and Savard, Edmondson, we still have physicality there. So I can tell you right now, the, re the reason that you guys won... At least the first round, because I stopped watching after the first round last year. Yeah. Um, you guys played really physical against the Leafs, and I'm not going to say you guys wore them down. I think the Leafs beat themselves at the end of the day, but you guys did play a much more physical game than we did, and it helped yeah. you out in the further series in the past the round one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, they always say defense or offense will win you games, which the Leafs always do, but defense will win you championships, and that's yeah. that, that is a fact. Except, unless you're playing football now, because offense will win you championships, because defense fucking do, yeah. can't do anything in the NFL anymore. But, um, so... You know, I mean, I'm, I'm confident <clears throat> in the physicality of this team. I'm confident uh, in the offensive output of at least Petrie. Um, the rest of them, they do. Uh, Joel Edmondson's still a solid defender. Last year. So, I mean, I'm Ethan... confident in their team. Uh, they've kind of been taking the preseason off. Uh, you know, kind of playing pretty lax, like, that said, uh, our big, our top four defensemen have been all kind of paired with rookies all through the preseason, just kind of yeah. giving them a chance. Though, so. that's another thing I like with the preseason: it gives young players a chance to play with the better players, and just especially on defense, you have your experienced player play defense, take the back, mm -hmm. and the other guy do what you can, do whatever you want. We got the, we got the back end. Go go wild. <clears throat> I mean, so, Ethan, I don't know how much preseason hockey you've watched of Vancouver, but I'm assuming you've at least caught, like, a game? Yeah, I've, I've caught a lot of hockey. What are you... I think you... I think you said it earlier, but what's been the... Who, who are the standout guys so far for you? Like, who who's... Who do you... Like, do you think any of the guys you've seen that you didn't think were going to make the roster will make the roster now, or do you think things are pretty set in stone with Vancouver? Nick Batan is playing really well in the preseason for us. Love Nick Batan. Shout out Nick Batan. Love that guy. <laughs> I, I could see him definitely making a, a bottom six role on the squad. Um, How is the uh, pull? But I think the clock's are Pod Colson. Pod Colson. How's he been doing? I think he's been doing all right. Uh, he seems to, uh, he has a very physical side to him, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see him playing third line this year for us. Okay. Which I'm really excited about. And, uh, like, uh, a lot of the guys have been, uh, been playing fairly well. Like, uh, Oliver Ackman-Larsen 
it's it's been great watching him play. Um, yeah, like Jet Wu has been playing all right. Uh, all the Levy. Olio Levy's been playing good? Yeah. Or has he been playing passable? Yeah. Good good or passable? Playing good. Good. Good? Good. Good for him. Good for him. I've, I've been waiting for him. All of us have been waiting See, for him. Thing, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, last year, Olio Levy played great end of the year. Mm-hmm. I thought he was playing really, really good hockey at the end of the year. He's probably one of our top defensemen at the end of the year playing... Uh, I've seen a stat where it's like he's on for like two percent of the goals scored. That's fucking actually in like the past like last 20, 24 games or something. Like that. It's crazy. It, the stat I read blew my mind, and it's like, am I reading this right? Is this actually all you Levy that I'm reading? But I mean, the guy's got a lot of potential to still be very good. Mm-hmm. And I can see him being a solid top four defenseman for us. Uh, and I think this year with the defensive pairings, like, you know, you could put him with Quinn Hughes or you could put him with Oliver Ackman Lars on the second line. Mm-hmm. And see how that goes, you know. I think all you is going to be a good fit this year. I think that the one thing I just got from everything we said is we're all excited about regular season hockey starting, and I think it starts this weekend? Next Wednesday. Ah, come on! Why do they, Why do we get to start in the middle of the week? Who does shit on a Wednesday? Why, why can't uh, the they... The NHL does. But why couldn't they have done it on a Tuesday while we're recording this? We could have been like, ah, let's go! Let's get pumped up, boys! Like, fuck. Now we gotta fucking uh, we'll wait. Up, we'll get pumped up. Alright, ah, whatever. So... So... I... <laughs> Before I we I have this big topic that I want I want I want to go through today and I don't know how much time it's gonna take but I just want to touch on this real quick. So I do fantasy hockey in a league that kind of works differently than most leagues. Like if you play like the ESPN stuff, it's nothing like that. So how it works in my league is all of us live in the like close to each other except for one guy who lives somewhere else. But we all go to this fucking boardroom, and we all like I think my protection list is like ten guys from last year, and essentially. I will sit there and let's say I had the, I had the fir- I I had the the choice to I want. Let's say Duncan Keith was sitting there not on a team. I go, "All right, Duncan Keith for $5." And then we bid for the players and we only have I think it's like $237-ish to do to build our team. So, last weekend, someone came to me and offered me a trade for rookies. They wanted Boston's backup goaltender and they offered me and what's that guy Andrew Holtz, the the guy on New Jersey? That, that right winger or whatever? Alex Holtz. Holtz, yeah. And he Alexander goes, Holtz. And he goes, Alexander Holtz is two or three years away, but I think this would be a good trade. And I, I'm i like, I'm like, I think it would be a good trade now. Holtz is going to make that fucking New Jersey lineup this year, so I will take that. Because here's the thing about that guy that at the back of goalie I traded. He's not going to be the backup all year. Tuka Rask is going to come back and fucking steal the show from him, and then it's going to be him and Linus Allmar. Like, I'm like, I was like, I'm like, Dude, I'd be a fucking idiot to not take this. So anyways, I had a free player, and that player, the rookie, cost me, I think it's like $5. So I probably will play him this year. But, like, you know, la- the last last draft, I was able to, like, stack my team. I had, like, Sidney Crosby. I was able to get Ovechkin for, like, nothing. It was nuts. I have Tom Wilson on the team. Just fucking nuts. But the only reason I uh, lost last year, and I performed so bad, I just want to say this real quick, is I had Carter Hart. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do nasty this year. I'm going to do great things. I had Carter Hart, Robin Leonard, and... uh. I got a sub Halak. I'm like, I'm going to do great things. Fucked. 
fought and fought. I was like, I suck. Yeah. yeah. What were you saying there? Uh, I actually, you mentioned Crosby. Uh, mm -hmm. That reminded me. Uh, Team Canada announced mm. their uh, first three players to be named to the, to the roster. They were Crosby, McDavid, and Petrangelo. Uh, we can, I am going to go on a limb and say they were announced first, and they were chosen first because they are probably going to be captains and assistants. I would say probably that that's... Crosby. Yeah, probably Crosby with the C and McDavid and Petrangelo with Hayes, uh, which not surprising. You know, definitely uh, some solid leadership there. Uh, we also saw Sweden Absolutely. announce their first. Yeah, Sweden also announced the first three players in uh, Victor Hedman, Mika Zibanejad, and Gabriel Landeskog. Again, probably your captaincy group there. So, yeah, just wanted to mention those. Uh, so, I mean, Crosby, McDavid, and Trangelo, all three players we need to be up to. Yeah. Do you, did, you go, did, you say, did you say anything about Team Sweden there, too? Because there was Team yeah. Sweden. Yeah, I mentioned Okay. Yeah, I mentioned Team Sweden, Hedman, Zibanejad, and Landeskog. <clears throat> Probably, um, if I were to guess, I'd say heading on to C and smash up and go get the A's. So yeah, that'd be my guess. Yeah, I agree. Do we want to get into this whole fucking thing that I think is going to take a little while to talk about? And this will be the last thing we talk uh, about today, and then we can wrap and get something else. We can, but before we do, go ahead. Uh, I'd like we have some breaking news. Oh, from an hour ago. Okay. Uh, Josh, do you have uh Nick Robertson on your fantasy lineup? No, I do not. Why? That's good, because he's not in the AHL this year. He's starting the AHL. She got sent down. Wow. Still thinking of going with Calder? Oh, yeah. That's what is this team doing? Oh, my God. Josh, he's not ready. Dude, I swear. No, he is. I swear to God. My team is run by the fucking biggest dumbasses in the fucking league. Like, holy shit. What are we doing? What? Why? Why? I want to know why. I, I fucking got to know why now. Why the fuck are we not playing? Oh, fuck this you. team. This I feel like Steve Daniel. This team is fucking ruining my life. Whatever. Alright. Uh, oh, moving Steve on. Steve Daniel. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into the fucking... Yeah, I wish I was Steve Daniel. That guy's got a lot more of a yeah. following than we do. Anyways, yeah. so let's, let's talk about this because I feel like it's going to take a while. Is the integrity of the game at, like, at risk here? Because there's a lot of shit that's been happening in the past few years that is really making me question what the NHL is doing from a business standpoint rather than playing hockey at a fair game pace, you know what I mean? And so, last year, I think everyone's probably seen this clip, but I'm going to play it anyway, Tim Peel. Referee from New Brunswick. Uh, during a game, I think it was Nashville and Detroit. I'm actually sure it is. Uh, said, and I, well, I'll, I'll play the clip. Sorry, I'll just play the clip here. Hold on. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early. In the you can't say that. Like, you, you can't fucking say that. Like, he literally goes, I wanted to give a makeup call to Nashville. So, you're telling me that my entire childhood where I said, man, this really feels like bullshit makeup calls, it's actually real? Like, this is something yeah. that actually does happen? My team gets screwed all the time, and not just mine, but every team gets screwed all the time? Like, this to me is ridiculous. Like, it last year, they I saw this graphic. I'm not, I, I didn't pull it out because I, I wasn't thinking, but last year there was only five games where the penalty differential in the games was more than two. Mm-hmm. 
There is so much shit that goes uncalled in the NHL, and it's not, like, everything is subjective. Being a referee is hard. I understand that. But I used to think, man, being a referee is really hard. So that's why they're missing calls all the time. But then I hear what Tim Peel says, and I'm like, no, it's not hard to be a referee. They just fucking do the shit to, like, yeah. keep the... Making keep it the, up as they go along. Well, that's, that's, the, that, that's, that's the frustrating part from a fan standpoint. And it's just like, like... And it's not like the league went, okay, no, Tim Peel is a, is a, that's a one-off situation. We got to fire him, get him out the door. No, what they did is they basically sat him down, told him you're not refing any more games in your career because he was going to retire at the end of the year anyway, and just kept paying him. So they didn't fire him so he wouldn't lose his pension. So he's still getting paid by the league. And so I'm like, okay, so the league obviously doesn't, either doesn't care about what Tim Peel said, or it's fucking true, and so it doesn't matter. And either way, like, does that, Ryan, in one of the videos we were talking about, you said something about the, the, shit, fuck, what's, what's the word, the, fuck, ah, uh, not pace of the game, but the, um, parody, the parody in the league, and I asked you this the other day, I said, does, like, makeup calls and stuff, does that ruin the, like, this, like, you know what I mean, like, does, does it ruin the parody? parody? Yeah, does it take the parody out? Like, what, like, where is that happening, right? I, yeah, I mean, I think the obvious solution is to have officials call everything all the time, always. I agree. If it's, if it's a penalty in September, in November, it's a penalty in the playoffs. There's no consistency no. in officiating. Yeah. We There's none. Consistency. We need, uh, I mean, the NHL has come out and said they're going to, for stricter cross-checking rules uh, in the upcoming season. Stricter. They're not changing the rule. But the thing is, like, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, bring this up real quick. Austin Matthews in the documentary, hurt. The reason he hurt his wrist is because he literally admitted. He's like, I cross-checked this guy, didn't get a penalty, yeah. and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So you have a player openly admitting to cross-checking someone, doesn't get a penalty. Now we have the Tim Peel situation where it's just like, okay, so makeup calls do exist, and the refs don't call anything, and. You know, in the NBA, they had their whole scandal, and I, I would say anyone that's a sports fan should go and listen to this podcast. It's called Whistleblowers uh, on Spotify. It's They talk about Tim Donahue, the referee, that was actually fixing games in the NBA and was betting on those games and making a fuck ton of money. Anyways, I don't want to say that something like that in the NHL is happening, but I do think that they have the ability to influence this game so much. Because if I go, say the least, get 10 power plays in a game against, I don't know, Montreal... They're at least going to score on one of those. Like, you know, like, if, if the Leafs take 10 penalties, call 10 penalties. Like, I, I don't understand. Because if you start calling everything, players will change their game. They're not going to keep going, okay, I'm going to keep fucking doing this shit, slashing, yeah. cross-checking bullshit. Like, call the damn call. Make the call. Like, make the call. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. Ethan, you haven't said anything on this. What do you think of, of the, like, the referee calls and makeup calls and all this shit? I, I have to agree with you guys. Like, it's it's very... Back to what Ryan said, if there's a call made in November, the same call should be made in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I, just, I 100% agree with that, and I think consistency is lacking with referees and yeah. NHL. You know, you, you go down, you watch it, you're thinking, wow, what a great mm -hmm. hockey game. All of a sudden, bam. Your team is touched by a stupid penalty. Well, and why, like, why doesn't that happen to the other team? 
Why doesn't? Why isn't it? You know, like it's just it, I find it so inconsistent mm -hmm. that it makes my blood boil. You know, I I don't want to end up on for the same thing over Let, and over. But like, let's let's say I like, agree with you guys. Simply. We've all we've all seen this in a game. Team A trips Team B. No call. Team B goes and trips Team A again just to get him back. Nothing happens. Okay. Well then, Team B goes and let's say they they like they they just they didn't trip the guy, but he just you know put his stick in the in just close enough for the guy kind of fell over. Could have been an embellishment call. No immediate penalty. And I'm like, so we're are we intentionally? Are, I can't tell if the league is intentionally missing calls or like. Because what, like, what is happening? I understand being a referee is really subjective, and it's hard to make calls all the time. But you can't tell me that referees are the, the best referees in the world are missing calls with this much consistency. Because the thing is, in that podcast, the Whistleblowers podcast, they talked to an FBI agent that was a part of the case uh, with Tim Donahue. And he said, and I quote, he put his fingers an inch apart from each other and said the NBA is this close to being the WWE. I don't want to believe that my favorite sport in the world is the WWE, the equivalent, where it's all rigged, it's fixed, like, where one team is already put at a disadvantage from the other guys, because to me, that's not what this is about, I watch the game because I enjoy hockey, I enjoy watching it, but at the same time, anything can happen, and I don't want to think that, like, Carolina's miracle run in 04, whatever that was, was a, was a fluke, like, that was just, the NHL wanted Carolina to win a Stanley Cup, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that in, in the NBA. I don't want to believe that the Raptors championship was fixed. I'm a Raptors fan. I cherished that championship. Kawhi might have left. Whatever. Big deal. I'm still a Raptors fan. I appreciated them winning that. I'm a Leafs fan. And I'm not going to say the Leafs get screwed in the playoffs. But I will say me and Ryan watching that playoff series. We both had agreed a, like a hundred times. That was a penalty. What are they doing? Yeah. Like even yeah. On both teams. I would look at Ryan when the, when the Leafs did something to him. And he's like, that's a penalty. I'm like, yeah, the... That was a penalty. Yeah. There's no call. And I'm like, and I'm like, what? Like, I can't tell, right? And I think that this goes deeper than just the referees. Like, I, I think there's actual corruption in the league. Like, the players can't do whatever the fuck they want. Like, you can't, you can't even get a fucking surgery you want in Jack Eichel's case. Also, Jack Eichel, real quick, we'll talk about this. Stripped his captaincy because he doesn't agree with the team. And... They're going to have to move him, and now they can't move him because he failed his physical, so he has to pass his physical before they can fucking trade him. Which is yeah. stupid. Alright, before we get into that, though, can I ask this question to you guys? Uh -huh. We've talked about the, the repping needs to be more consistent. What, do, what does the NHL need to do to ensure more consistency? At the end of the game, like the NBA has been doing recently, if there is a fucked call, like a super mm -hmm. fucked call... They put a video out after explaining why this happened and exactly what they're going to do to fix it if it was a missed call. I want the NHL to come out and tell us that they missed shit and they're going to fix it. And even if they don't fix it, I will still be upset. But I want them to at least admit the mistake. Because that's the that's the thing that frustrates me is there's no there's no consistency and then there's no like ownership to making the mistake. Accountability, there's yes. No accountability. Yes. Ethan, what do you, you think? I, I gotta agree. There's also another thing, too, where it's like, back to what you said, Josh. Hockey's a hard sport to referee because there's so much going on. Yeah. And even having the best, you know, the best referees in the game, uh, unfortunately, not everything is going to be able to get called. 
Yes. And, you know, that's that's the thing. I don't think hockey could ever be viewed as staged because hockey is the most unexpected sport to watch. You know, you shoot a puck down the ice, it could hit a it could go in. in the board. And it go could go in. It could go in. I've seen it. Yeah. Trust me, I had Jonathan yeah. Bernier for years. I've seen it. You know, uh, I saw for a great example. Yeah, you know? but like, uh, but like, no, it just there's a lot of like little things in hockey, whereas you could think it's a total penalty. Like you've you you've you guys have all seen clips where a player accidentally slashes somebody, but here's the thing: the stick doesn't even touch his face. Yeah. You know, and the player still falls over, and the ref calls a high stick. What is embellishment? You know? There's like, a lot of there, there's a lot of small stuff like that. And I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of embellishment. That's a great question. Like, what is embellishment? You like, know? I feel like embellishment doesn't get called as much as it should. But I'm also just gonna say this because I remember saying this the other day. Because me and Ryan had talked about this for like 40 minutes, and then he cut me off and he goes, "Josh, we gotta stop talking about this. We gotta save it for the podcast." But so yeah. I, I I had made this point where I had said I believe that the people upstairs or the people in Toronto should be able to call a stoppage whenever the fuck they want. The referees yeah. miss something, call it. Fucking call it. Yeah. Blow up, blow yeah. a horn, do something, stop the game. And make the right fucking call. I don't care if it's against my team. Just make the call and make it consistently. Like, that's I all I care about. The, I would rather the game be slowed down in the, uh, if it means the calls will be made correct. It's the Whether integrity it means, of the game. Like, yeah. yeah. Whether it's to put, have somebody in Toronto do it in the in their headquarters. Yeah. Or have somebody, uh, have a booth referee up, like up in one of the, like in a booth. And he can he's seeing the game as it is on TV and everything, and he can call play call and play dead whenever. Let's say like let's say he he calls it okay. He shouldn't be the deciding factor. So let's let's go to the video review. Let's get all the referees yeah. together and talk about it. Show yeah. them what they missed. Tell them what's wrong. But in that like, same vein, could you also could we see maybe an argument that penalties could be reviewable or challenged by a coach? Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a great thing to bring up because I was just thinking the same thing. They have coaches challenge on reviewable goals. Why not reviewable penalties? If there's a missed call that a coach sees, he should be able to have uh, that choice to, to say, hey, uh, look, I believe this is a missed call. You guys should review it. If it's not a missed call, he loses his timeout. If it is, great. His team gets a power play. Like I imagine yeah. the argument, I imagine the argument would be like, "Oh, then you're taking it out of the referee's hand." Well, to me, if you're making the right call, then it shouldn't matter. Like the integrity of the game is so fucking important to me that I don't care. Like yeah. the referee is still gonna get paid the same fucking amount of money he's making. Yeah. It sh- like it shouldn't matter. Like yeah, the right <sighs> call needs to be made regardless of who's making the call. So I I want I want to broaden the the scope on this. Outside of refereeing, I think there's a lot of shit happening behind closed doors right now that people yep. need to talk about more. And this started when Robin Leonard came out yes. last week and said that Nolan Patrick told him that Philadelphia was giving him. I can't remember. The, do you have the drug name? It, in front of you? He did, he, I have the tweets in front of me. Uh, he did not mention uh, Nolan Patrick by name. Uh, well, that's that's the, the, the that's the assumption though, because he the, the, there is. 
an assumption there, seeing as he did call out Vino, uh, though he did retract and say that the call out on Vino had nothing to do with the drugs. Okay. Drug acquisition. The initial tweet was, and I'll read it out here, is it common for workplaces to give out uh, benzodiazepines to employees when they travel or ambient? Should that not done be, be done by doctors or psychiatrists? Asking for a friend, this doesn't happen in Vegas, to be clear, but I do know, but I know many other teams. Uh, I also been on teams that do. Well, yeah, I, ha I have, I have, I have, I have his other tweet right. from his ankle, yeah. and it said they screwed my ankle big time, then surgery, and then pills. No care, almost died. But hey, after forcing leg press for a few weeks with a, a bad high ankle sprain, first game, that foot. That is the foot after treatment. Later is my soul gone after a month after surgery. It's not all pretty. Yeah. So, what... Uh, I mean, and the thing is, like, it's not necessarily that it's just that those drugs are being given unprescribed. It's that these players yeah. are not being told what the consequences and yes. the, like, the side effects to what this medication can do. The only reason that... Supposedly, I'm, I'm saying it again, Nolan Patrick. The only reason that supposedly he understands what was wrong with it is because Robin Leonard's gone through it and he fucking told him. Like, what like what the what the negative effects are of this. Like, that's that to me is just nuts. Like, and, it, and the thing is, it's not just Robin Leonard. We've heard uh, some other former players, Dale Weiss. Yep. Uh, he said, wow, just catching up from Robin, Robin Leonard's tweets. Very rare for an active player to speak the truth and not be afraid to shed light on current situations. And I respect. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom says 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 to oh, I, I, uh, Tom Sassido. Uh, good, yes, Tom Sassido. Good yeah. for Robin Lehner, uh standing up for the greater good. I can only speak for myself. The amount of vitamin D, Toradol, and Ambien I was given is insane. As the NHL is getting a lot younger kids, these kids should know what they're walking into. That's the thing, right? So that's and, three players who have talked, who have said, yes, this is this is what's happening. And all of those guys, I'm pretty sure, I don't know about Dale Beast, but I know Sacito did play for the Flyers at one point. Uh, uh, Sacito did, Dale Weiss, I believe, did. Uh, I think he did, too. No, my assumption is that Robin Leonard got this from Nolan Patrick, that this that, that, that conversation was had. Either that... There or... was a rumor, though, that uh, there was one uh, person who tweeted out about it, later retracted that, saying it was false, so... My other assumption is that this happened to Robin Lehner when he was on Ottawa. Because it wouldn't have happened to him when he was on New yeah. Jersey, or not New Jersey, the island, because he was having a, like, monster of a fucking year. So... Yeah. Uh, he and, does credit... He has credited the island in the past with uh, helping him get off his uh, addictions and his problems yeah. and helping him through those. He also did say it happened for eight years. The assumption was <clears throat> it was in Ottawa and Buffalo that uh, he had this problem. And so my assumption then, right, because when we were first talking about this, I said, how deep, I asked you, I said, how deep do you think this goes? Because I thought that it was just flyers. But if we're talking about that, then, then this, I don't know if it's necessarily, I, I hate to say that it's league wide, but it does seem like it could be a lot bigger than it's, it is yeah. being talked about right now. And the thing Based that kind of, what we've heard, I would say it's probably not every team, but I would not be shocked. If it's, do uh, you guys, do you guys have. think that the league knew about this? Because what they're doing right now online is they're like uh, saying that they want to talk to Robin Leonard and this, that, and the other thing about the accusations yeah. he made. Do you think the league knew about this? Uh, there may have been rumors, but I'm going to say they probably did. Um, especially where they're going and uh, looking to reach out to Robin Leonard. The NHLPA did speak with him today. Do you think that the PA could just be doing that? It's just like a good press? 
I mean, I think it's in their best interest to investigate, right? So, I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, investigate or actually invest. Like, like the thing is, like, do you believe that there's nothing? Like, they they had no fucking idea that there was something like this uh, going on. The, I would be surprised if the NHLPA didn't know. I'd be surprised if the NHL didn't have some idea. Yeah. Um, but like, I would be. It is in both their best interest as the league and as the players' association to investigate these proper these claims properly. Especially we've had multiple accounts coming out about it. And um, you know, I so. wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I'll go, I'll go to you, Ethan here in a second. I just want to say this. I wouldn't be as frustrated if the teens were explaining to these guys what the consequences of doing this is. My problem is they're giving them unprescribed, over-the-counter drugs yeah. and not telling them any negative effects of it. Like, and, then, and and the NHL and the teams and the CBA can force these guys to take them. It's like forcing Jack Eichel not to be able to do what he wants. Like, they, these guys get paid. Like, we're treating these players like fucking robots and assets when they are human beings with human problems and human emotions. Like, I, I don't understand. I understand we're paying some of these guys ten plus million dollars. But at the end of the day, Conor McDavid is a fucking human being. Like, and so is Jack Eichel. Like, show some fucking human decency. I understand that you have a lot of money tied up and capital and you know, your investment, all this other shit. He is a fucking human. He's not a house. And Even I will... This does bring up another point. Um, we mentioned how it is in the NHL's best interest to investigate this. Uh, Akeem Alio, who had come out in the past about uh, some accusations oh. of how players of color yeah. are treated. Yep. He has... Elliot Tweedman uh, tweeted out that uh, there was word the NHL was going to reach out for Arm Laner. He uh, responded to that tweet saying, perhaps the NHL will feign interest, claim to investigate, and never get back to years and hope the public attention goes away. That's an interesting take from a player who had to go through similar experiences to but that's get what information I'm, out. That, that honestly kind of makes me think that the NHL does know that this is going on. But I do want to get Ethan's yeah. opinion on this because we kind of kind of just been talking here. So Ethan, what do you think of this? Like, how deep does this go? Like, do you think it's league-wide, team-wide, like, like what is what is your opinion on us giving unprescribed hard drugs to people and not telling them what the negative consequences are? I don't know. I mean, there's just there's not enough knowledge right now for for me to make that that guess. Mm -hmm. I think if it's more investigated in. Uh, uh, the more we'll know. But mm -hmm. uh, if Robin, you know, if Robin Leonard's coming out and saying this, you know, there's there's obviously a reason. Yeah. No, I don't. I think what he's saying is false. I think what he's saying is more than likely true. Because why else would he say this, right? Yeah. And like, how, how would that benefit him if if it, you know? Like Robin Leonard in the past I hasn't. He hasn't been afraid to come out and call the NHL out for its shit. Yeah, and I actually really appreciate right. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Ethan. I just wanted to add that in. No, no, no. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's just it, right? Like, it. It's a tough decision for for me to to say. But, I mean, who knows? Like, it could be team wide. It could be league wide. Do you um, think that not necessarily that the league is endorsing this, but do you think that the league actively knows about this and is just doing like what I said, where they're just gonna like kind of what that guy said there, 
they're going to talk about it and investigate and then rush it under the table. And in two years, when it gets brought back up again, everyone's going to be like, oh, man, what happened to this? Like, you know. I think the NHL will try and brush it away because in the past, think about it, in the past about two years, there has been two major, major Stand- cases scandals. that have been brought back up. And that's the Akeem Ali situation mm-hmm. with the Calgary Flames. That's fucked up. And there's the Chicago Blackhawks 2010. Also fucked up. Yeah. Scandal. Both of, both of those situations just fucking terrible. Why? Absolutely. My my absolute condolences to both uh, sides okay, and everybody that was affected in Chicago and Akeem Ali and Native American players who've been uh, absolutely pushed aside because of racism. That and is I mean, we, you know, if, if we were going to talk about this, I'd rather give that controversy stuff in its entire own video because I don't want to half-ass it. So if anyone actually wants to read into these two scandals we're talking about, my best suggestion is to go online and read about it because I'm not going to be able to do it justice. There's just so much terrible shit that happens in this league, and it it hurts me as a fan of the league, as a fan of hockey, and just, like, I, I genuinely think that there might be some form of actual genuine corruption happening. Well, there obviously is because, you know, they all... This, this entire league is run around money, and every time some money is involved in something, there's going to be corruption. And I just didn't think that it would be the integrity of the game and come at the risk and, like, you know, of these guys. Uh, and just, like, how the the, the player safety right now, the head of player safety is an ex was an ex-player that just, like, fucking didn't call shit. Like, yeah. he, he didn't suspend guys enough. I don't believe that it should be a head of player safety. It should be a board of of player safety where yeah. you have an entire board of doctors ex-players guys who guys who would fight guys who have taken massive hits all this stuff get them on a board and t- actually talk about it talk about the the physical damage talk about the psychological damages talk about everything that we need to discuss in this day and age about stuff like that and suspend or fucking do shit the players accordingly stop letting one guy make the fucking decisions like i hate this it gets hard to um, watch. Yeah. Now we should probably uh, move on because we're running low on time here. Uh, but before we do, uh, just because the Flyers and Alan Vino were roped into it, uh, I will mention that Chuck Fletcher made a statement on uh, the health and well-being of the players is a top priority, and any care provided to them comes from the team's healthcare professionals, not the coaching staff. We well, have no reason to believe that any of our players have received it. That was, that was I also believe uh, that... GM Chuck. I believe Alan Vigneault also gave a uh, something on this. Uh, he did. I don't have those comments in front of me. I don't have it in front of me either. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it's just on. It's either on their Twitter or somewhere. Uh, actually, I do have it here. Uh, okay. Vigneault's response responded. I don't know the young man. Two things he said about me were: I was a dinosaur. Uh, I would consider myself experienced dinosaur. You said with experience, you become a dinosaur. Maybe. I do know that I've been coaching for years. I'm tough. I'm manning. But I care about when players I want their best. Uh, through the years, some guys have liked me and some guys have liked me a little bit less. Uh, but I've done it with best intentions with respect. As far as the other thing, me, pill, me pushing pills, I don't need any other. I don't need another income. I have no idea where that comes from. I don't know what else to say. I, I, I don't. 
Yeah. If this is actually happening, because I don't, I don't, unless you have something else to talk about, I don't think there was anything else we're going to go over this episode. Uh, we did have the COVID roundup that we mentioned. We oh, that here. Well, yeah. If you just, uh, I, I just, just to wrap up on this, I just want, I just want to say this real mm-hmm. quick. If this is actually happening, and this is, and you know, there's like it, it showed last year. If these makeup calls keep happening. Especially now with the NHL being a big part of betting now, because you can bet on NHL games and one game betting and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. This could destroy the league. This could actually ruin ruin the league. It could ruin the betting market, and if the betting market gets pissed, then a lot of money that the league has that's supposed to keep us afloat for the next few years is going bye bye. I think the CBA. I think the players should go on strike whenever we have the next CBA up because this is just it's shitty. Like the, the players are getting fucking screwed. And I used to be anti-player and more pro-team, but as I've aged and realized that how shitty fucking giant corporations are, it should be way more player-orientated than this. Um, yeah, I think that's the worst-case scenario, but uh, fair enough. Uh, so moving on to the COVID-19 uh, roundup. Uh, as we know so far, 27 of 32 teams fully vaccinated. Uh, the five that are not are the Vancouver Canucks, New Jersey Devils, the Edmonton Oilers, the Short Red Wings, and the San Jose Sharks. Uh, four of those teams uh, we know four. are missing one player, one player each. One those player. are the Canucks missing uh, Travis Hamanek. The Devils are missing Mackenzie Black. Oilers are missing uh, Josh Archibald, and the Red Wings are missing Tyler Chuzzi. The one team we don't know who they're missing is the San Jose Sharks, who have been uh, rather, like, really evasive uh, the last See, the thing um, is, I, I just I just want to say this, because the way that it's working right now is if you're unvaccinated, you can't play in Canada. So, guys who are on Vancouver, like, Hamannick has talked about retiring. I've also seen yeah. trade rumors for him now. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't sign his, if he doesn't get vaccinated, which I believe everyone should fucking get vaccinated, please, for the love vaccinated. of God, if you're yeah. listening to this, get vaccinated, please. Anyways, yeah. you just, like, get, like, you can't play on your own fucking team. You can play whenever they yeah. go away. But, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, it's, I'm glad to I'm glad to say this, though, that there's that little amount of players that are unvaccinated other than what yeah. San Jose is doing. I don't really fucking know. I'm surprised yeah, like, that San Jose has been evasive about this because California has been really, like, yeah, on the ball. Rules, yeah. yeah, so yeah. my assumption is um, a lot of those guys are vaccinated. They just fucking don't want to release their status. Yeah, they're not they're not entirely sure yet. Uh, we, yeah, like you said, Travis Hamnick has said that he all options on the table include retirement. Uh, the Oilers, we know Josh Archibald, uh, he had COVID over the summer, over the summer, and he's been diagnosed with myocarditis, so death. So he will oh, not so be playing in so Yeah. So okay. the Oilers are effectively fully vaxxed. Uh, the Red Wings, Tyler Bertuzzi uh, is not vaxxed. You know the plan is he will continue to play games in the U.S. and he will not travel to Canada, Canada and miss those games. Um, I don't yeah. want to make, I don't want to make yeah. comments on players' decisions, but I do have fucking... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, only other note I'll make: uh, the, the Dallas Stars do have a player in the AHL, uh, Les Ferrance, who is not vaccinated, but uh, they have said they would be vaccinated at the NHL level, so he just won't be on the team uh, to make this year. Which I don't know if there was an expectation they would. So. Um, uh, I just want to say I, I thought I had some breaking news, but Brady Tuchuk okay. is trending on Twitter right now, but I don't see any other. It just seems like a lot of people are very upset that they have they're under the cap floor right now without him being signed, and they still haven't signed him. He is also the only RFA left, so I'm assuming that that's why he's trending. But still, 
Um, I will also mention, uh, starting on COVID, uh, the OHL, who did not play their season last year, is 100% vaccinated. That means all they're players, ready to go. Yep, all players are vaccinated and are good to go. So, good for them. Well, the queue has already gotten going uh, already, so it's good to see that that's going to happen again this year because, I mean, it, it makes drafting a lot easier. But, well, uh, I mean, we can, we can wrap on that. We've, we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. We've gone over COVID, talking about corruption, preseason, all this other stuff. But I, I think that's – I think we're done. Ethan, do you have anything else uh, yeah, that you want to go have or one, this? Okay. I have one thing to mention. Um, go ahead. I have one thing to mention. Uh, Nashville uh, put a statement that assistant coach Todd Richards had a heart attack on Friday. He is now home from the hospital and resting comfortably, so we all wish him. Everybody here at Off the Boards uh, wishes them well and yes. his family uh, for a speedy recovery. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. So, Absolutely. We'll, we'll wrap here. Uh, so, guys, we appreciate you guys all for watching and listening to us however you did. If you guys are on YouTube and you like the video, consider giving us a like. If you really like it, consider subscribing. On YouTube, we are Off the Boards with Josh and Ryan. That'll probably soon be changed because we have Ethan here now. On Spotify, we are Off the Boards. On Twitter, we are uh, OTBS Hockey Pod. And yeah, I'm Josh. That's Ethan. That's Ryan. And together, we have all been Off the Boards. See you guys.